We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, welcome to Blue Wire. After you finish listening to this awesome Blue Wire podcast, make sure you check out the other pods in our Blue Wire family. Okay, I know, you're probably wondering, how do I do that? Well, it's simple. Go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and search Blue Wire. Ta-da! They will all be there, so have fun listening. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles, the San Francisco 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me again, it's Kyle Madsen, the content czar of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Kyle, what's going on, man? How was your weekend? Oh, it was great. I did my taxes. I paid Uncle Sam, which is great. Um... And uh, that's, uh, that's that's it. I went to an A's game, went took in some baseball, got away oh, from the wow. football life for a while. Yeah, nice. Did Chris Davis hit a homer? He did not. Not at the game I was at. Mark Canna did though, and he unleashed a nasty little bat flip with it, which was great to to witness in person. So I I saw the lip reading things on social media. Did he actually say it's bat flipping season? Because that's pretty remarkable. I didn't see that, but I really, really hope he did. Yeah, he like flipped the bat, and then as he was running, looking at the ball, and he's he's uh, doing his uh, his batting gloves. It looks like he says it's bat flipping season. Hilarious! Yeah. I hope he did. Yeah, we need more I'm, more things I'm gonna like start, that. I'm gonna start saying that whenever I do anything. <laughs> you should. Like after I check in at the gym and I get my because it's a finger scanner. Mm-hmm. And I do that on the first try as I walk away. I'm just going to go, it's bat flipping season. <laughs> <laughs> just tell the attendant. I actually, I, I have the, the bat flipping season shirt. Oh, nice. 
that that 500 level released and i wore it today so wow full circle serendipity yeah man cool yeah it was great um it is april fool's day we are not going to bring any april fool's jokes here because april fool's is stupid it's really Uh, bad yeah it's not good everything we say is for reals yeah and and it's just like a terrible mix april fools and twitter are just a terrible mix yeah like there there's no there's no real way to like delineate sarcasm on there like you can make you either have to make a stupid joke or make so it's obvious or make a joke that like could be real but no one's really sure and then people just get upset you've inspired a tweet i'm doing a tweet right now and only troll trolls think it's funny so um april fools is dumb that's our april fools take uh, there's hasn't been a ton of news since we last spoke to you guys uh, last week in Arizona for, from the owners meetings. Uh, there was a, a notable tidbit from Albert Breer in his weekly column for uh, the Monday morning quarterback. He said that he was told that Richard Sherman was no better than 80% last year, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Sherman was still really good. I think he led pro football focuses uh, metric in, in yards allowed per route runner per coverage snap. Um, and you know, he was obviously one of the, probably the best player in the 49ers secondary throughout the year. Um, I would say that metric might be a little skewed by the fact that the 49ers sort of had a revolving door at the other cornerback spot and teams were really eager to pick on Akella Witherspoon and Jimmy Ward and Greg Mabin, um, and even Tarverius Moore towards the end of the year. So I'm curious to see, and, and Breer also said, uh, Sherman had surgery to have sutures uh, initially put in as part of his rehab removed from from his Achilles area and that he's feeling a lot better. So obviously Sherman will have a full offseason healthy. And, and, you know, last year, obviously, he was working back rehabbing through that Achilles tear suffered the previous November. So a year removed from the injury, getting more time under his belt. Um, he, we should see maybe a better version of Richard Sherman, even though he just turned 31. I want to say it was last week. Yeah. Um, so he's obviously getting up there in age, but I would expect uh, a, a healthier, maybe more spry Richard Sherman this year, um, which <clears throat> you know could put even more pressure on the cornerback the position opposite him on the other side of the field because you know the 49ers badly need those guys uh, Kella Witherspoon, Tarverius Moore. I think Jimmy Ward's probably more likely to play safety this year than cornerback. Um, but the 49ers and Jason Verrett too, um, you know, who also has his injury issues and is coming off an Achilles tear suffered last summer. Uh, but I think my main takeaway is that, you know, a good Richard Sherman's off. He's obviously good news for the 49ers, but it's going to put a ton of pressure on the shoulders of, of the guys opposite him. Right. And that's, I think, good. I think that's what the 49ers want. Kyle Shanahan's talked a lot about competition and and cultivating that in camp this year. And I think the better Richard Sherman is, the better he's playing on that other side, the more it ramps up the competition uh, on, on the side opposite of him. So I, I for sure think that getting any form of improved secondary play is good for the 49ers. But I think the ripple effects of Sherman taking a step up and maybe looking a little bit more like his old self in, in 2019 is going to be good for good for the entire secondary. Yeah. And one thing, uh, I think we've probably mentioned this before, but we, you know, we talk about Akella Witherspoon and how well he played his rookie season, which offered the 49ers some optimism in 2017. And, and he did play significantly better his first year than his second year 
Um, but he was playing opposite Dante Johnson, uh, who was on the other side. And obviously, Dante Johnson didn't play very well. He got benched, I want to say, in at least two different games mm. um, just because he was getting picked on. And, you know, teams were eager to go that way. So maybe, you know, the fact that Akella Witherspoon wasn't the most targeted guy his first year maybe helped him a little bit. Um, and that was obviously not the case last year with Richard Sherman on the other side. So I know there's, uh, you know, a lot of people in the, um, I don't know if the analytics community is the right way to, to describe it, but there, there's a lot of people who believe that the 49ers most pressing need is, is to upgrade the secondary. And I kind of go back and forth with that. I mean, when it comes to the NFL draft, like the Niners have been very specific in the skill sets they look for at cornerback. Mm-hmm. And they have two of those guys, right? They have Witherspoon and Tarverius Moore, both third round picks and back-to-back drafts. And I don't know. I mean, if, if there was a guy who made a lot of sense, who fit that similar mold, maybe in the second round or maybe in the third round again this year, that maybe they add to that mix. But I, I just wonder, and, and the feeling I get is that the 49ers are probably banking on the pass rush, maybe maybe making the secondary look a little bit better, or maybe masking some of their flaws. Um, yeah. And more experience for those guys is obviously going to be important. But I don't know that, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know that they're going to try. I, I think they're banking more on getting those guys to improve and getting an improved pass rush. Uh, and just the overall development of the secondary, whether it be more fam- familiarity with the scheme, um, the coaches maybe dialing things up a little bit differently, relying more on man-to-man. And I think that's where Jason Verrett comes in. He's more of a man-to-man guy. He's obviously, you know, I think he's 5'9 or 5'10, not the not the 6'2 corner with the thir- 33-inch arms that Tervarius Moore and Akella Witherspoon are. So it'll be interesting to see. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know that the 49ers are going to throw a bunch of resources in the position in terms of uh, high draft picks. I think rather they're going to hope that the, the guys they do have develop and having an improved pass rush, perhaps with, you know, obviously with D Ford, but maybe with, with Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner, too. If that's the direction they go, then then that's how the 49ers are going to do it. I think something you have to obviously account for with with Verrett as well is whether he's even going to be able to play this year. And and if he is, what kind of level is he playing at and how many games is he going to get in? He's coming off an Achilles tear. He's had a ton of injuries, and that's something I'm not sure you really want to bank on. So I think the Niners do go that route uh, with a corner in the draft, but I wouldn't be surprised if they wait until like the middle of day three and just take a tall, lanky corner and just see if they can develop him. Right. And I asked Kyle Shanahan about this specifically at the owners meetings, like how Jason Verrett fits, given that he doesn't have the the same size and, and the long arms of 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 Sherman, Witherspoon and more. And he basically said some of that stuff is kind of overrated, just like how those guys fit in, in cover three and things like that. Jason Verrett, obviously, with the Chargers playing under coordinator Gus Bradley, they run essentially the same scheme as the 49ers and the Seahawks. And Verrett, you know, went to the Pro Bowl in his second season. Uh, really is only fully healthy season that he's been in the league. So he right. can do it. And and I know um, I forget where the clips emanated from online, but someone had uh, cutups of, of Verrett matching up with Antonio Brown and just playing him man to man really well. Right. So maybe the, maybe this is sort of a matchup thing. And like you said, there's a ton of risk with Verrett given he's only played in five games since 2016 and missed all of last year with that Achilles tear. But uh, he'll be further removed from it. Uh, Sherman, obviously, before coming with the 49ers, had that injury the previous November 
for red it was july so he didn't participate in training camp all that so he has a few extra months in terms of his rehab the niners are optimistic about it um so we'll see how that goes um and yeah i i do agree with you though i think when you're talking about maybe the third or fourth round maybe that's where the 49ers go quarterback cornerback uh and maybe greg maben is is somebody who's going to be put on the hot seat in terms of in terms of roster positioning and, and the 46 man and things like that yep okay let's move on um we're gonna we're gonna doc, talk about rumors because this is this is rumor season a lot of people call it silly season because a lot of the things and reports that you read don't really mean anything other than the fact that teams are doing their due diligence so for example you know the new york giants this week are or it came out that they're going to meet with Nick Bosa and the Giants are picking six and there really isn't um, much of a chance that Bosa lasts till six. A lot of people, obviously, including us, don't think that Bosa is going to last beyond pick number two. So, it, you know, a lot of people say, well, are the Giants going to trade up with the Niners or blah, blah, blah. I mean, maybe maybe the Giants are considering a move from six to two and maybe they do want Nick Bosa. They obviously traded Olivier Vernon. So the Giants working out or meeting with Nick Bosa is just sort of standard practice, right? Like the Niners are meeting with all the top pass rushers. They're going to meet with Queen and Williams this week. It was reported uh, that they're going to meet with him at their Santa Clara facility on Tuesday after having IHOP with him in Alabama a couple weeks ago at his pro day. Um, John Lynch, like we mentioned at the, at the owners meetings is going to meet with, Nick Bosa, Queen and Williams, Josh Allen, uh, Montez Sweat too is going to be included in that group. The Niners obviously have 30 visits that they're really going to be starting in earnest this week. Uh, Sweat is obviously somebody who's probably going to be in the mix if the 49ers do end up trading down. And that's really why we want to talk about a bunch of the rumors that have sort of been circulating about teams, you know, maybe picking in the top 10 or picking maybe might be interested in a quarterback, which might means they trade up. And, and the 49ers are certainly going to entertain the idea of trading back from number two. I, I don't I wouldn't count on that as as a high probability scenario. But I would say if a team offers them a, a package they can't refuse as good as Nick Bosa is, I think the 49ers would be more than willing to trade back. Just the fact just given the fact that they only have six picks in, in this year's draft and obviously a bunch of needs that they could use that they need to address. Um, so I, I think it's, it's possible. Um, and, and so let's take a look the, the first one that uh, I think is worth mentioning is the jets have said they're, they're very intrigued um, about moving down from pick number three, which is one spot behind the 49ers. And, and that's notable because it could be that if Kyler Murray, the quarterback from Oklahoma goes first overall to Arizona, like basically everybody thinks is going to happen then three looks like the inflection point because if the 49ers are set on taking Bosa at number two overall, and a lot of people think Bosa is the best overall prospect in this class, so it would be a pretty easy decision for the 49ers to make to pull the trigger on Bosa if he's on the board, then three becomes an interesting uh, sort of turning point. So teams that want to get ahead of maybe the Raiders who might be interested in a quarterback they're, they're doing their due diligence on all the quarterbacks expected to go in the first round, despite having Derek Carr, which is sort of interesting. But maybe teams will be fearful that the Raiders are going to try to move up or try to take a quarterback at number four. Uh, so maybe there's going to be a scenario where the Jets move out of three 
to get a quarterback. And, and that could impact the 49ers, obviously, because um, maybe another team will see that trade happening and then offer something to the 49ers so they can get their quarterback. Um, do, do you have any idea or, or any thoughts on the on the Jets maybe being willing to move back from three in any scenarios that, that jump through your mind? That was always a little worrisome for me and the 49ers trade prospects because if the Cardinals aren't interested in trading out of one and the Niners want to trade back from two, I'm not sure how many suitors there will be if the Jets make their pick available. Now, where this gets interesting is if a quarterback needy team does jump up to three, let's just say the Dolphins. I'm just going to pick one. Let's just say the Dolphins jump up to three. Now I think that makes the Niners pick even more valuable because right. because now there's another team with a with a quarterback in the top needing a quarterback in the top five. So I think that's the best case scenario for the Niners if they are looking to trade back. But on the other hand, I'm not sure if Bose is available that it matters who's picking where behind them because I think they're picking Bosa. Unless the Raiders offer like all three of their first rounders or the Giants come in with number six and number 17 and like a like a second and a fifth or something crazy. Um, I think the Niners are taking Bosa. So I'm not sure how much it's going to matter what, what kind of trading happens behind them. Yeah, I guess, like I said, the only the only way I think it would really matter for, for San Francisco is if a team wants to leapfrog who was ever picking at three to get Haskins. Right. Um, so I guess that, that's that's feasible. Um, you look at teams. OK, so let's go through it. Uh, the Giants probably need a quarterback at number six. Uh, the Raiders, we mentioned, are a possibility at four. The Broncos at ten. Uh, Cincinnati at 11, Miami at 13, Washington at 15, even though, uh, there was something their head coach said this or last week at the owners meetings that, that we can talk about, um, the giants pick again at 17 and maybe that's where they end up getting their quarterback. Somebody like Duke's Daniel Jones might make sense there. Um, your Tennessee Titans, uh, at number 19, love my Titans. They're not taking a quarterback. Okay. They're not taking quarterback. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there, there are, uh, one of the interesting things that happened last year with, with all those quarterbacks that went early on in the draft was that it really sort of shored up the position for a bunch of teams. So now there are a, a lot fewer, less teams that, I mean, there are less teams now that need a quarterback than, than they did at this point last year. So maybe it means that the trade market is a little bit more dry and less fertile than it, than it was a year ago. Yeah, I think so. And I'm I'm I just I I I'm having a hard time coming up with a scenario where the 49ers skip on drafting Nick Bosa. Same. That's just I mean that's that's what this all really comes down to for me. Yeah, if Bosa's there and 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 the other thing you've got to you've got to watch out for with these teams needing quarterbacks is they, they do the soft tank where they maybe need a quarterback, but they're going to select a different player this year. And they're already looking ahead to the 2020 class, which is supposed to be uh preliminary uh, scouting says it's supposed to be really good for quarterbacks. Yeah. 
Who's who's going to be available in, in 2020? I haven't even looked. Uh, Justin Herbert from Oregon, who might have been the right. top quarterback in this year's class. Uh, uh, Tua Tungovailoa from Alabama. And then okay. uh, isn't Clemson's quarterback going to be draft eligible? No, he he's going to be a true left. sophomore. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He, yeah, so he'll have two years left. But uh, yeah, so, yeah, so Tua and, and Herbert for sure. Um, so yeah, when you talk about the soft tank, I think the team that, that screams out, uh, screams that out to me is Miami and they're picking 13th. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's, uh, I guess the world's most enigmatic backup quarterback. He can look like a top five starter at some points. And then one of the worst starters in the league at others. (laughs) Um, so they they went in they're going into this with him as their starting quarterback but I think at 13 I mean they might be they might be the one willing to to move up maybe if if Haskins falls a little bit. I think one other thing we should mention is that the Giants have sort of I mean they their people high up in their front office have said that they might be willing to extend Eli Manning which and- is insane and live with him as their starting quarterback beyond this season. Do they? And he's already 38. Do they watch the Giants? Uh, That's that's debatable. Based on what they've done this offseason, it's hard to say for sure whether they've watched every single game intently. Uh, Yeah, Eli Manning turned 38 in January, so they might be banking on him playing till he's 40 um which is just crazy yeah it's right? wild man i mean it's really really crazy i i dave gettleman is i mean they they've they've completely made it look like they're all in on eli manning and and you know i i guess all indications are that that's the direction they're gonna go but i would also say that if you were hoping somebody like Dwayne Haskins was going to land in your lap at number six, then all you would be doing is talking about Eli Manning and singing Eli Manning's praises because you would hope that teams wouldn't jump above you to get Dwayne Haskins. Right. Yeah. Um, So maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe there's an element of subterfuge to that. Like, you know, the giants would would ideally like to have Dwayne Haskins available to them at six and not have to trade up. Um, and particularly with the Jets, for whatever reason, the, the Giants and Jets just don't make deals with each other. And the Jets picking at three could be the turning point in the draft when it comes to a team trading up for a quarterback. Maybe that's what a team like Miami is thinking about doing. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's just weird. I mean, it's I, I I honestly don't know if I trust the Giants to to think about it so intelligently. Like we're going to put it out there that we love Eli. So Haskins falls to us. Uh, so a team doesn't jump us to get them. I, I I don't trust them to to make that that judgment because it's probably the right one, and they haven't they haven't made a good quarterback decision in a really long time. It feels like I don't want to turn this into a Giants podcast, but uh-huh. the MetLife Moronicles, Moronicles, yeah, it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> but that's good. Hey, is the funniest possible outcome here for for getting the top five? If the Giants pick at six and Dwayne Haskins is on the board. Or Kyler Murray. The funniest possible outcome is they select DK Metcalf, right? Yeah, or Rashawn Gary, like someone who we don't know that's good at football, but it's just like a freak athlete. Yeah. 
that that I think. Just like, but at, there was a report that says they're leaning towards a pass rusher at six, which is also another thing that like makes me think they're going quarterback. I hope so for the sake of that fan base. <laughs> but the four yeah. matters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just don't I, I don't know what they're doing. It's the Giants. The Giants are fun though. Like I, I really enjoy when there's a team that just like makes a ton of like what the hell decisions. You know, like that that everyone is like, what are you doing? Like that's really that it's fun when there are teams on opposite sides of the spectrum, like teams like the Patriots and the Eagles, um, who do a bunch of smart stuff, and then teams on the other side who just just keep doing dumb stuff. Like forever it was the Browns, right? And now the Browns are on the other side of that. But now it looks like it's the Giants, just a team that's like just, just we're just gonna do a bunch of dumb stuff because that's you know, we're we're stuck in the, the late nineteen nineties and you know, where we prefer and the Raiders too. Right? Like the Raiders are probably falling into that. The thing that's the thing that's fascinating about the 49ers when you talk about teams making good decisions and teams making bad decisions is the 49ers are like on the fence, right? Like they're teetering between making a bunch of good decisions and making a bunch of bad decisions. Because like when you look at the Garoppolo trade, so far, I guess good decision. Second round pick for your franchise quarterback, assuming he can stay healthy. Okay, that's fine. George Kittle, that's good. But like Solomon Thomas, like that wasn't great. Uh, the Reuben Foster thing did not work out. Uh, that's a swing and a miss on the first two first round picks of this regime. And I think 2019 is going to be the turning point of whether the 49ers fall into that. Oh my God, look at all the terrible decisions they're making or holy crap, look at how quickly they turn that thing around. That's a really good point. And I think that sort of leads to the idea that it might be smart for them not to overthink it. Yes. Right. And if, yeah. and if Bose is there, just take him because he, in, in a year where a quarterback doesn't go number one, Bose is clearly the top prospect in the class and you just take the best guy you can. And it just so happens to fit a position of need. And then you're looking at D Ford, DeForest Buckner and Nick Bosa along your defensive line in rotation with, you know, Solomon Thomas. I think Solomon Thomas could be a fine, like, rotational guy. And I think if you have really good players around him, which the 49ers would in this scenario, you might be able to get good production out of him when when he can have, you know, more one-on-one scenarios rather than where he's sort of out on the edge and on an island where he doesn't really fit. Um, if you get him matched up one-on-one with a guard, I think ideally that's that's where he's going to excel the most. And and maybe the same thing with Eric Armstead. You you have a rotation of like six or seven guys along the defensive line that could be pretty good um, and ultimately mask a bunch of the deficiencies the defense has had in recent seasons. So, yeah, I think I think that's a, that's really smart in what you said in that, you know, they could get really cute with this and move back and then, you know, say they, they do move back to six. Um, and say it's Josh Allen or say it's Montez Sweat or Brian Burns or someone like that. I mean, if those guys aren't a star and then Nick Bosa turns into like a defensive player of the year candidate, like his brother Joey looks like he'll be, then you're, I mean, that that's that, to the point where, okay, two two out of the, the three first round picks that you've had, or I guess two out of the three years, you haven't hit on your first rounders like you've needed to. 
um, that's that's bad news for for the front office. Uh, and, and, you know, getting into year three of this thing with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, you maybe start to wonder if Shanahan thinks that maybe I need a more experienced general manager, or maybe I need to shake things up in the personnel department and fireworks start flying. Yeah, this is, I I just think this draft is, is going to be huge. I think they did free agency about right. They might've, you know, we, we, we've discussed free agency several times, but now when you get into this draft they just they have to find a couple of impact starters like they simply have to and trading back to acquire more assets makes sense in theory but you then need to turn those assets into something like having the most draft picks or having having four picks in the top 50 doesn't count for anything if all those players are bad at football so right. I think I think the way they have to do this is is don't worry about trading down uh, unless unless the Raiders are going to give you three first round picks to move up two spots and you're moving right. down to four and you know there's still going to be uh, a good player there that you're confident in okay then then maybe that's something that you can't really turn down but I think if Bosa falls to two that's just how they have to do like. That's a gift not only to have the second pick, to have everything work out that they wound up picking second among all the teams that finished with four wins. But then to have Nick Bosa, the consensus number one pick for the like entire college football season, suddenly the month before the draft become the number two pick. Like, dude, that's two gifts. Right. Absolutely. Assuming uh, again, I don't want to assuming that Bosa is the player that people think he's going to be. Right. Because we don't obviously know, but assuming that he is the best player in this draft, you're getting a gift that he falls to you at two. Like that's something you can't pass up on. Yeah. And from an optic standpoint, if Bosa doesn't work out, I don't know that it would necessarily reflect poorly on the front office because I think it's basically a consensus like throughout the league and just everybody in general that Bosa is the best player in this draft. And so if the Niners were to take him, I think the onus would fall on Bosa for not living up to his potential, not necessarily the front office for, for making that selection. Right. Because you've had, you know, all a bunch of scouts, a bunch, just, just everybody you talk to, everything you read, um, everyone says it's, that Nick Bosa is the best defensive player available this year. Um, and if he doesn't live up to that, then either he got injured or he came up far short of his, of his expectations. Right. Um, but I don't, I mean, I don't really see that happening just because his brother's so good and, and you listen to him talk and just the way he's wired um, and the fit with the 49ers. I mean, if you get him playing next to DeForest Buckner or, you know, one of the other talented defensive tackles that they have, like you're going to put him in a pretty good situation. Yeah. Uh particularly with D Ford on the other side. So I think there there's a chance. I mean with with the Forrest Buckner in particular up the middle and the way that quarterbacks just sort of get pushed to the outside because of Buckner's consistent pressure inside, then you're really like you're really going to start cooking with gas. If right. you have two elite edge rushers on the outside. Right. That's that's a necessity and I think there is Going back to what you said, I, I fully agree. If they take Bosa and he's not good, I think it's a matter of, well, you know, they took the best player available. 
and it didn't work out. If they trade back, that room for error becomes much smaller. Like if they're right. moving out of that pick, they have to be getting a pro bowler. Like that's it. That's that's it. And then if they're moving back again, I'm going to use the Giants. If they get six and 17, they need two impact starters in those two picks to justify the move. Right. I agree. So the the margin for error, the further back they go in the draft becomes smaller and smaller, which is why I, I maintain that don't try and get fancy. Take the best player on your board second. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you mentioned the Raiders just looking at it. If the Raiders did, and I don't think there's any chance that they do this. Maybe they give up one of their yeah. second round picks. If they gave up four, 24 and 27, I mean, if I'm the Niners, I do that. I do too. But I do it because but, you're pro- because you you would get either Josh Allen or Queen and Williams at four, and then with twenty four and twenty seven, you're talking about maybe getting AJ Brown, the receiver from Mississippi, who seems like sort of the perfect X receiver or sorry Z receiver for Kyle Shanahan, and then maybe at twenty seven you can get Nasir Adderley to fix your long standing problem or, or a safety. Yeah, you could you could effectively in that scenario hit the biggest three holes on the roster with first round picks. Yeah, that would be good. I don't think the Raiders are going to do that. I think there's zero chance they do that. They stockpiled first-round picks on purpose. They want them. But maybe (laughs) they just love Nick Bosa so much, and they could could say, you know, they could come out of this draft with Nick Bosa and tell their fan base, you know, instead of paying Khalil Mack, now we have Nick Bosa on a rookie contract. Right, but then it becomes harder to justify. Then it becomes harder to justify the, the Amari Cooper trade and... I just I think they're I think they know they need bodies, which is why they've stockpiled all these early picks to add as many good bodies as they can. So, yeah, if if that scenario somehow arises, sure. But I I doubt with utmost certainty that it will. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire to save ten dollars on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash blue wire. All of Harry blade, Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash blue wire to redeem your razor for just $3. This is Mike McGlinchey, the San Francisco 49ers. You're listening to the Candlestick Chronicles. John Gruden, man, that guy's been on a roll lately. He has. He's he he cried for multiple days. Uh, this is what he said at the owners' meetings. He cried for multiple days after the Mac trade, and then if the team hadn't traded Mac, they wouldn't be able to sign Antonio Brown and Trent Brown. Uh, he even threw Vontez Perfect in there, which is like okay, like a it's it's like a one year deal, right? Like a, a, a minimal deal for for a veteran linebacker. Like, no, nah, you, you probably could have. You probably could have kept Khalil Mack and, and signed your your veteran linebacker. Yeah, yeah, I think that probably <laughs> could have happened. Contract. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, the Raiders, man. Uh, 
And hey, if that's the case, they need to hope Trent Brown is really damn good. Right. You're going you're going from one of the best infrastructures and coaching staffs to Tom Cable Oof. who doesn't have the most sterling reputation for his work with offensive lines lately. No, it's not great. <laughs> um and they made Brown the, the highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history, which is what the 49ers weren't willing to do. Which is why Mike McGlinchey's on the team and not Derwin James. Right. Um, anyway, are there any other rumors? Okay, so Denver's picking 10th. So the Broncos are at an interesting point at number 10. Uh, they traded for Joe Flacco, but that seems like sort of the mix where Drew Locke's going to go. I know there's been reports of John Elway liking Locke's physical tools and they're going to meet up with him. Uh, They're going to host him for a visit. Denver. I don't don't know. This sucks. I'm not, this isn't a good episode for me. The thing is John, can John Elway identify quarterback talent? Like, are we sure of that? Because I've watched Drew Locke. I don't think Drew Locke's very good. And maybe, I I, I mean, I'm obviously not a professional, but. It feels like it would be very Denver if they did whatever they're going to do at 10 and not take a quarterback. And then like at 41, reach for like Will Greer or something yeah. insane like that. Yeah, no, there's there's no proof that John Elway knows what he's doing when it comes to quarterbacks. I mean, the Paxton Lynch thing was horrendous for them. Um, You know, Joe Flacco, I, I know Vic Fangio really likes Joe Flacco and, and Fangio obviously... Um, you can go back to Super Bowl 47 and what Flacco did against the 49ers in that game and, and his playoff run leading up to that. Yeah. Uh, but that was a long time ago, and Flacco just got beat out by a rookie quarterback who, I mean, Lamar Jackson might end up becoming a very good, versatile, multifaceted quarterback just in terms of how he can be used in the running game. Right. But to get to be a veteran quarterback on a maximum contract, not a maximum contract, but a 20 million plus per season contract. And then to lose your job and get traded. I just don't know what Elway's thinking with like, yeah, this is the, this is the direction we want to go when the chiefs are in your division. uh, When the chargers are in your division, like it's outrageous. Their defense is good, and maybe Flacco, they just need like a game manager, somebody who can who can throw short passes and and keep the offense out of trouble. But like Can he you, even do that? We don't know. Like, are the Chiefs, I mean, are the Chiefs, do they see Joe Flacco go to Denver and they're like, oh man, we we are really worried about having Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Bill Bill, Bill Simmons Bill Simmons has this thing where it's like base your reaction to a trade on other fans reactions. So like if you're the Broncos, the fact that every team in your division is like, Oh yeah, get Joe Flacco do that should tell you like, don't do that. Right. (laughs) I don't, I just don't understand, man. I don't get it. Joe Flacco. If the Broncos were a normal team that operated kind of on the same wavelength as every other team, it wouldn't surprise me if they tapped their Niners connection with Adam Peters and and John Lynch to try and move up to number two and take a big swing with the quarterback, like just offer the Niners just a war chest of, of draft picks to move up to number two. But a, I don't think the Niners are, are wanting to move back that far. 
and B, I don't trust John Elway and the Broncos to take that kind of a swing for a quarterback. Like it almost seems like they don't value the position. It's so weird. It's so weird how they how that how that organization moves. So if the Niners were to end up trading either CJ Beathard or Nick Mullins, Denver would have to be the most logical landing spot for one of those guys, right? Yeah. That's that's more what I'm watching from Denver from a quarterback standpoint. Like if they if they see Flacco as just a one year stopgap to try and keep him in contention, I'm sure I'm sure Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard could be had for like a seventh round pick, right? Maybe a sixth. Yeah, maybe. I think Beathard probably has more trade value. I know people will disagree with me on that, but Beathard was still a far more coveted prospect coming out. Um, and I think people in the league would believe that a lot of Nick Mullins value is tied directly to Kyle Shanahan. Could it be tied to Rich Scangarello? Right. That's why I think Scangarello obviously was a 49ers quarterback coach the last two seasons, had a big role in developing both Beathard and Mullins. And the 49ers are going to have joint practices with the Broncos this summer. Uh, and I think those are going to be in Colorado. So that's really a, a decent situation for you know for something like that to get facilitated i think if the niners do end up dealing one of those guys it's probably going to be right around final cuts uh and the timing could work out i mean i'm looking at the the broncos depth chart at quarterback right now do do you know who their backup quarterback is um oh hang on is it a name i know absolutely you can't look though that ruins the fun of this no i'm not gonna look it's Joe Flacco. They traded Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. Is it somebody like, is it like Matt Barkley? It's Kevin Hogan. Oh. <laughs> the Pac-12, right? Yeah, Stanford. Uh, Garrett Grayson is their third string quarterback. So, Oh, Garrett Grayson, Colorado State legend. Wow, good knowledge on your part. Thank I you. had no idea where Garrett Grayson went to school. Yeah, Colorado State. It's the big, uh, big Pac-12 I believe in their quarterback room. Uh, you say what you're going to say. I'm going to look on the internet and see if there are any tweets of me calling Garrett Grayson like the steal of the draft. Wait, is Colorado Colorado State isn't in the Pac-12? No, it? no, they're not. All right, Colorado X that from the record. Yeah. Um. So yeah, looking at, at their depth chart, I think it's certainly conceivable that the Broncos would be interested in find in either Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard should the 49ers make them available and I think they probably will because it's going to be tough for them to keep three quarterbacks on the roster uh Kyle Shanahan's never done that before and I don't know that no matter who wins the the backup competition I don't know if the loser of that competition is going to make it to the practice squad I don't even I I'm not sure I know the practice squad rules have changed I'm not sure if CJ Beathard is even practice squad eligible I don't think he is I don't okay so yeah I mean the Niners would either have to just cut Beathard outright and lose him and somebody else would sign him assuredly. And, or this, I think the same would happen with Nick Mullins if they tried to get him back to the practice squad. So yeah, I think, uh, I don't think it's crazy to say that the Broncos with Rich Scangarello as our offensive coordinator would be interested in, in Beathard or Mullins because I mean, Kevin Hogan has not necessarily lit the league on fire since, since leaving Stanford and Garrett Grayson, um, certainly hasn't either and we don't know i mean does kevin i have no idea like watching kevin hogan i don't know that he fits at all what the what scangarello's (laughs) offense 
I'm not really neat. I'm not sure Kevin Hogan fits any offense. That's fair. <laughs> I just don't think he's very good. Like that that's, that quarterback certainly fair. It, I, wow. it their quarterback situation is so bad that if they traded for CJ Beathard or Nick Mullins, I think their situation improves dramatically. Like yeah. dramatically. Yeah. Like that's wild. So they went um they obviously did well with Peyton Manning getting him in 2012. Uh, Elway, you know, purportedly had a big role in that. Manning was there for, you know, four seasons. They win the Super Bowl, his his last one. That's fine. Uh, Brock Osweiler started seven games that season. Trevor oh. Simeon started 14 games in 2016. Paxton Lynch started two. Uh, Trevor Simeon started 10 in 2017. Brock Osweiler, four. Paxton Lynch, two. And Case Keenum started all 16 games last year. Now Keenum's with Washington. Good Lord. Um, yeah. I don't think we can say that John Elway knows what he's doing at quarterback at all. <laughs> I I, right? I am. I'm rolling with the conspiracy theory that he wants to make sure he's the best quarterback in Broncos history. <laughs> so he's just, he's just like Joe Flacco. We'll take him. Yeah. I'm in. I can get four years of CJ Beathard. I'll take him. But wouldn't it Here's be a fourth impossible? round pick? Wouldn't it be impossible to unseat John Elway as the best quarterback in in team history? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think he's I mean, sort of like somebody. That, somebody will argue Peyton Manning, but John. It's it's John Elway. He was there forever. He won two Super Bowls. Like it's it's Elway. Right. right. That would be like somebody being worried that that Joe Montana isn't going to be the best 49ers quarterback in history. Right. No. Right. Right. Like there, Jimmy Garoppolo could come in and win three Super Bowls, but. No one's going to say Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Montana just because Montana was before him and Montana did something that the franchise has never seen before. Right. I mean, I don't really appreciate your Ken Dorsey shade, but I mean, that's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we wrap this up? Yeah, this is kind of a hot episode. Yeah. Um, you can tell you it's the middle of March or the beginning of April. I mean, April Fools. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're just kidding this whole episode. <laughs> you idiots. <laughs> Yeah, April Fools, you're getting a good podcast episode out of us in early April. Um, we are going to hit on the draft a lot more. We're going to start taking some dives into these prospects. Uh, hopefully my voice won't crack in the next episode. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast, presumably on iTunes. Um, we're on Stitcher as well. Thank you for listening to Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Network. Please subscribe, rate, and review where you listen to your podcasts, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.